The following Dharma talk was given by Katie Yosha Scott Childress. Yosha is a senior student in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you'd like to make a donation or to find out more about our various programs, visit us online at cmm.org. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon. My name is Yosha, and uh, my teacher, Shugen Moshi, asked me to give a talk today. I've been working with one of the slogans, well, a lot of slogans of Atisha, and one in particular that I wanted to share with you, share my, my practice with it, which is three objects, three poisons, and three seeds of virtue. So this is the eighth slogan in the 59 slogans of the Lojong mind trainings. Can you hear me, Jisho? Good. <gasps> okay. I'll recap from the beginning. Three objects, three virtues, three poisons. This is the eighth slogan of the Lojong mind trainings of Atisha. So these, these trainings, um, this first set, are, um, I'm getting feedback, oh well, are, um, are related to training in bodhicitta or the aspiration for enlightenment and liberation for all beings. <clears throat> it's also connected to other points of mind training, especially transforming adversity into the path. I've been working with this slogan because I find it really helpful for um, working with habitual and unskillful reactions that I have. Do you hear it ringing? Is it just me? You don't? Do you hear it? Should I do anything? Okay. Um, so, um, working with these, these unskillful reactions that come up for me, and practicing tonglen, the taking and receiving practice that's also included in the mind trainings. So this teaching is an invitation to turn toward our reactivity and our reactions, rather than what we may think is the problem whatever provoked us. And um, usually our tendency is to um, turn away when we are having a negative reaction or experience, or to kind of double down and start spinning with lots of thoughts about whatever it is. So Pema Chodron she made a very pithy comment on this slogan. She said, the three objects are friends, enemies, and neutrals. The three poisons are craving, aversion, and indifference. 
when you feel craving, you own it fully and wish that all beings could be free of it. When you feel aggression or indifference, you do the same. In this way, what usually causes suffering, what poisons us and others, becomes a seed of compassion and loving kindness, a seed of virtue. So we're constantly interacting with people and things around us. And we hear things and see things and smell, taste, all kinds of things. And so, for example, when I see a person before me, I may like them and crave more interaction with them, more attention, or I may may dislike them and want them to get away from me. Or even worse, I may think bad thoughts about them. Or I may be really indifferent to the person to the point that I don't actually even notice them at all. So we have the seeds of all of these reactions in us. And there are conditions for us to react all the time because we're seeing things and we're hearing things. And then these three poisons of greed or craving, anger or aversion and ignorance or indifference can arise because of these these interactions that we're having. When we're in session, it can become more pronounced or we can notice it more clearly where we may feel annoyed if somebody's breathing loudly or something actually really inconsequential, but it seems like a really big deal. So we have this opportunity to really look and see, see those reactions, work with them. Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche calls um, people we have the most sort of karma with are famous people. So like when we go into the dining hall, we may notice certain people and want to go sit with them and other people we may want to get away from. And then a lot of people we just don't notice at all. And those famous people we have a real like charge with and it may be positive or negative, but they tend to show up a lot, um, even if they're not in the room. They occupy a lot of our mental real estate. So we can notice when we're having a reaction. I notice it often after I've had an interaction with somebody and there's some residue left over. There's something that doesn't feel right. Or I just notice that I'm thinking about it and thinking about what went wrong or something. And often it's, you know, self-righteous. I'm right, they're wrong. And then the thoughts keep spinning 
about why that, that's the case, why they're wrong, why I'm right. So I have to notice that I'm spinning in order to take up this practice. We each have to do that. We have to notice when we're doing this, when we're reacting. Or just keep spinning and hopefully at some point notice. Notice the lather we're creating. Um, Chogyam Trungpa's teaching on the slogan was really helpful for me. He said, when you're in a state of aggression, you say, may this aggression be a working base for me. May I learn to hold my aggression to myself and may all sentient beings thereby attain freedom from aggression. So in this practice of three objects, three poisons and three seeds of virtue, we hold the poison rather than the object of 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 the poison. Because that's what we can actually work with and transform. We can't actually transform anybody else out there or anything. So turning, turning that focus around of our energy when we're, rea- when we're reacting toward our reaction, toward the poison itself, I can take ownership of what's going on. And then I can use Tonglen practice of taking and receiving. So to work with this this poison, this negative state, whatever is going on, despair. I try to locate it first in my body and notice where I'm having tension or a bad feeling. What does it feel like exactly, this reaction I'm having? Where is it in the body? And really letting it in, feeling it, not having a story about it. And I try to articulate what the feeling is, the feeling itself, like frustration and confusion, impatience, this, this distrust I'm feeling, this disdain I'm feeling. So I try and give it a label that's accurate to the feeling for me. And then I recognize how much trouble there is in the world because of that feeling. How wars are started over aggression and relationships are ended because of anger and the earth is destroyed because of impatience. And I say, may I take on this feeling for all sentient beings. I'm willing to take it on, bring it into my body, because I don't want anyone to feel this way. And I don't want the world to keep spinning in this way. So recognizing when it comes up for me, I have the opportunity to take it on for everybody. 
And then breathing out, I breathe that in. Breathing out, I relax these parts of my body where I'm feeling tension. And I offer ease to whatever, whatever provoked this reaction. I offer ease to anyone who's in a state of frustration or impatience or aggression. And again, feeling that in my body, what does ease feel like? How is it? We have to know these states for ourselves if we're going to offer them to other people. So this, this practice sows the seeds of virtue in several ways. First, when we stop spinning in whatever it is we're reacting to, craving, aggression, ignorance, we're no longer creating the conditions for future reactivity. At that moment, we're free, just for a moment. Sixth ancestor said, one lamp can dispel a thousand years of darkness, and one thought of wisdom can end 10,000 years of ignorance. This one, one little thing, if we could just see that we're reacting just once. And so sometimes these negative states can feel like a really big mess, like depression. And this isn't trying to solve a really big mess all at once. It's just taking this one thing, this one reaction that's happening, one emotion, and working with it, turning my awareness back to what's going on in my body, and strengthening my intention to be awake, cease from evil, channeling my energy. So these teachings in Atisha are using um, the, the Yogacara model of the mind, where we have seeds, there are we have a storehouse consciousness that we share, and it's individual. And there are seeds that are shared and individual in this consciousness. And so when we're having a reaction to something, seeds of our past karma are ripening at that moment. And there's actions of our own, but also of our culture and our species that have created these seeds. So, you know, when we feel afraid or we feel aversion or attraction towards somebody, it doesn't come from nowhere. And in a sense, it's not our fault. We have biases. We have the seeds of bias. And so when we perceive somebody is different from us and we have a, a thought of, of discrimination, 
we somehow objectify that person. The seeds are there for us to do that. And the cause of seeing this person has caused them to sprout. But what we do with those reactions is what really matters. That's what really makes a difference. So we have the moment after we've had a reaction to see it and attend to it. Right? That way we don't keep causing more evil, more evil karma. And we can cause, we can offer healing to others, seeing that we've had a reaction to somebody, whatever it is, and owning it. I had this reaction. May I feel that in my body. May I offer others, may I take that on for others those reactions, so that no one has to feel this way, may offer acceptance and ease. So what we do with our reactions are our actions, and our actions are creating more seeds of karma, or they're watering the seeds of karma, So we keep creating conditions, new conditions, for how we're going to show up in the future, by how we're dealing with right now. In Yogacara, they have um, these kleshas, these difficult states of mind, and the primary ones are desire, aversion, delusion, pride, wrong view, and doubt. And then these give rise to secondary afflictions of anger, hatred, hypocrisy, malice, envy, selfishness, deceitfulness, guile, arrogance, harmfulness, lack of conscience, lack of humility, sluggishness, and restlessness. So the Yogacara teachings name all of these things on purpose so that we can memorize them, get to know them. They're not happening to somebody else. Even small actions that we take can make a big difference in how we'll show up in the future. And then these small actions are creating conditions for our meditation what goes on there when we sit down. Are we at ease? Are we clear? Are we struggling with sluggishness or restlessness? We've created these conditions through our actions. And we have the opportunity to take responsibility for them when we notice them. when we're waiting for the conditions to change, or for people to change, then we're casting ourselves as a victim. So, these three objects, 
are actually really just one object. It's whatever's in front of us. And these three poisons are three basic unskillful ways that we relate to what's going on. And then that can either lead to further action, which leads to further karma, or we can take care of it right there, which is the three seeds of virtue. When we really can take up a practice like this of really um, wanting to take on these states and this suffering for ourselves and for everybody. We're practicing paramitas, dana paramita, we're giving. So we can give, right? We have that which we can give. And how often can we take this up? How often are we suffering throughout the day? This is an opportunity to turn adversity into the path and take any moment of suffering that we're experiencing and find a way to transform it and offer something to everybody. Shantideva said, all the joy in the world, all the joy the world contains has come through wishing happiness for others. All the misery the world contains has come through wanting pleasure for oneself. So I I find this practice so astonishing because of shifting the focus from what is bothering me to my actual state. It's like Dido used to say, I make me angry, right? So we don't actually have a whole lot of complicated relationships that we need to manage. We actually just have one. It's right here. And we can manage this one. We can manage the others. The Buddha said, I do not quarrel with the world. It is the world, the world that quarrels with me. An exponent of the Dharma does not quarrel with anyone in the world. Doing this, taking this on, or driving all beings into one. The only place where we can actually work with them. And it's not for lack of trying that we can't outsource our suffering. But we have to figure out what it's made of in our own bodies. How it shows up in anxiety, aggression. Anyone who's been in a long-term relationship knows that it's a really good place to study your reactions and yourself.
and learning when it's helpful to give voice to my reactions, which is almost never. (laughs) In fact, it's my reaction. I actually need to just own it. It's not really a big deal, actually, except when we're defending our ego, which is usually what's at stake when we're having a reaction. I feel like this practice of taking and giving can start breaking down the ego. Whenever we notice we're in a state of suffering, we have so much opportunity to be able to offer, offer medicine to ourselves and other people. Shantideva said, just as hands and other limbs are thought of as members of a body, can we likewise not consider others as limbs and members of a living whole? Just as in connection with this form, devoid of self, my sense of I arose through strong habituation. Why should not the thought of I, through habit, not arise related to another? So I'm used to thinking about this being the most important thing I have to look after rather than this, or this. Chantideva is saying, this is just a habit. Develop a different habit. Giving. So everything is contained in this storehouse consciousness, and our actions water these seeds, or perfume the seeds that are already present. Moment after moment, conditions are happening and cause seeds to ripen. So when we get into a conflict with someone, it doesn't come out of nowhere. When we get in trouble with being attached to someone, we've been watering those seeds. So we develop this habit of exchanging self for another. And we start weakening this habit, this I habit. I'm the most important one habit. That's why these practices fall under bodhicitta, working with the illusion of a self and others. I also find this practice helpful because offering offering ease to others, for instance, it's sometimes easier for me to take care of others than it is to take care of myself. We should each explore that and see how it is for us. But sometimes the, the most difficult and harsh person in my life is, is the inner critic. And 
it's, uh, it's easy to tell the inner critic, shh, shh, stop it, stop it. But somehow it is easier, at least for me, to offer ease and relief from the inner critic to others than it is to offer it for myself. So we should just try, try these things, see how they show up for us. It's like coaxing a, an animal that's afraid. You know, we have to show it that we're calm and we're safe. So we have to be that for other people. Sometimes we can do that for other people more easily than we can for ourselves, for whatever reason. So we have lots of strategies for turning away from our suffering. We have a whole culture kind of built around it, a whole economy built around it, right? We're steeped in in methods of escape. They're very normalized, monetized. We have our smartphones, and we have like a million things that we can find there. can shop, shop for anything, shop for love. The Surgeon General has declared that we have an epidemic in our country, and it's called loneliness. He said that, or she said that it's... um, it's equivalent to smoking 15, pa- 15, sorry, 15 cigarettes a day, the epidemic of loneliness that we have going on right now. That's the toll it's taking on people's health. And it's epidemic proportions. It's enormous. <clears throat> Using social media, social, we're always looking for promises to get us out of our state of unease. But we're actually digging in deeper, right? So this practice of three objects, three poisons and three seeds of virtue, is turning toward that unease, really owning it, not trying to get away at all. That's the medicine, actually. It's in Buddha's first teaching, Four Noble Truths. We suffer. We do. We have to locate that in our body. We're feeling sad, feeling left out. Just drop the story. Go to the feeling. Let it in. Holding these emotions for everyone... I can get larger. I can feel larger. But we each have to try this. We each have to do it in order to verify. Is that true? Does it really work that way? Can I really hold everybody's horrible feelings in my body and be big enough for that? Will it help? Examine the nature of unborn awareness. Where do these states come from? Where do they go? 
and they're not here anymore, we can transform our states, our difficult states. The Lojong slogan, the nature of the path rests in the alaya, this openness. It's completely open and undefined. Dilgo Kense Rinpoche said about the nature of the path rests in the alaya. But how are we to rest in emptiness free from all mental activity? Let us begin by saying that the state of mind of thinking I has no reality whatever. Be that as it may, we do have the feeling of something real and solid which we call I, and which is supported by a body with its five sense powers and eight consciousnesses. These are technical terms that are are not very easy to understand. But for example, when the eye apprehends a form, sight occurs by virtue of eye consciousness. If the form is something pleasant, we think, this is good, I like it. If we see something frightening, a ghost for instance, or someone with a gun ready to shoot us, we think we're going to be killed and react with horror. The truth is, however, that those outer events apparently happening over there are, in fact, occurring here, within. They're fabricated out of our minds. It reminds me of um, an incident that happened. My son was about three years old. He, um, He put a throw blanket over himself and he came into the room and said, I'm a ghost. And we said, yikes, eek. And he took the blanket off. He said, no, you're supposed to act scared when a ghost comes in. So he went out and came back in. I'm a ghost. We went, ah, oh my God, there's a ghost, oh my God, ah. And and his body started trembling and shaking. And he started trying to get the blanket off really quickly. And he was crying. And we said, what's the matter? And he said, I'm afraid of a ghost. <laughs> and we're, we're kind of like this, right? We're creating this monster that we're afraid of. So when we're wrestling with some unskillful reaction that we're having to people or things that can feel so overwhelming. It feels sometimes like it's just been happening forever. It's not fixable. I'm not fixable. But that's not what the trainings of the alaya are about. Nothing is fixed. It's full of potential. So we make our lives one moment at a time out of that potential. When we're we're reacting with fear, we are fear. When we're reacting with hate, we are hate. When we're loving, we are love. We have all of that, all the time. In the Platform Sutra, Huynung 
speaks about sudden enlightenment. He says, although the sea of suffering is inexhaustible, a turn of the head is the other shore. The difference between confusion and enlightenment is just in knowing how to turn. If you accept emotion and love and run after desire, then the more you run, the more confused you become. If you can turn your head, you arrive at nirvana, the other shore. If you do not turn your head, you become more and more confused. That's what these three objects, three poisons, this teaching, three seeds of virtue, is telling us to turn our head. We're we're looking at, we're seeing that object and it's provoking something in us. It's not in the object. Turn our head. Look and see. See what it's made of. It's right here. We can take this up, really take it up with our body in a difficult time. This may not be a difficult time, so it seems a little abstract. But we reach for medicine when we need it. And in this case, we are the medicine. We compound the medicine here. We offer it to others. Explore it with your body. See how it feels when you find yourself in a difficult state. See if you can transform it and transform it for everybody. And I'll end with a short passage from Hongzhu's Self and Other the Same. When self and other are the same, mind and dharmas are one. When you face what you have excluded and see how it appears, you must quickly gather it together and integrate it, integrate with it. Make it work within your house, then establish stable sitting. Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org.